those proud boys, them Trump publicans, whatever the hell you want to call them, they are enemies of this country, period. Plain and simple. So why are you so busy being scared of my black ass? You need to be worried about them. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jaren Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director for The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, how come the police and the president help white militias siege the Capitol? So, Shauna, before we get into today's episode, I think what's on your mind is what's on everyone's mind right now. But what's on your mind? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, we're going to get into all the nitty gritty for this episode. But one thing about I've been calling them the mayonnaise riots, just unflavored, just Land. One thing that I've been seeing and that's actually been very frustrating for me as a purveyor of all things social media has been there are a lot of white people, really just non-Black people in general, who are trying to assert themselves into Black spaces. And when I say that, I mean, while the siege was happening, after the siege happened, you know, in the days coming, I noticed how there were a lot of white people who were like, you know, it's not just white people. Like, clearly there were Blacks and Latinos and things of that nature there at the riots as well who were acting up like, this is not a white thing. This is a conservative issue. This is a GOP issue. And to that, I call bull. Like, (laughs) let's be very clear about one thing in particular. You know, you don't have to be white in order to push out white supremacy, in order to be a purveyor of white supremacy. We've seen that with Mia Ponsetto and her, oh, well, I'm Greek and I'm Puerto Rican and I'm a woman of color. Girl, bye. Like, no, you know what I mean? You don't have to be white. We've seen that with Daniel Cameron, who, yeah, Breonna Taylor, there's still no justice for Breonna Taylor. And this is why we call him, you know, a buck dancing fool (laughs) at this point in time. And And I think what really frustrates me is seeing white people or really non-Black people who find themselves in spaces curated specifically for Black people. So when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the comments over at The Grio. Now, not saying we're not welcoming of everyone. We love y'all. But do understand, if you are not this, if you are not Black, you are a guest. And there are times in which perhaps you should just shut up. Sometimes silence is the best thing. Don't try and explain a way to Black people what's happening. Don't try and, and mitigate all of the crap that we have been seeing when quite frankly, dear white people, Black people know you better than you know yourselves. Plain and simple. And at the end of the day, everyone has to remember that anti-racism, being anti-racist, that is a verb. That requires action. That requires every single day working towards making sure that you are not silencing voices, that you're not trying to sit here and tell Black people what is and what isn't and gaslighting us and telling us that what we've experienced and what we've seen is not reality. We have seen how these cops have, you're holding people's hands as they're walking down the steps after they've seized the Capitol? Excuse me? And there's a joke that we had posted on the Griot's Instagram about, you know, hell, had it been Black people, if we would have just been asking for directions, we would have been dead and our blood would have been running in the street. It is incredibly frustrating. I am I'm very angry. Y'all are going to hear about all of that throughout this episode. So I'm just, I'm reserving for now. What about you, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I think it's time to, we need to have a little woo-saw because the reality is that the past week, it was a lot. 
even considering the year we had in 2020, having a global pandemic, having a widespread racial violence and just death everywhere, I did not think we would see what transpired on Wednesday, but it happened. And something that has been on my mind a lot in the past couple of days is the aftermath of Twitter and several tech companies silencing Trump and banning him from their platforms. You're seeing conservatives, including conservatives who spoke out against Trump for inciting the Capitol riots, are the same conservatives now saying, why are they banning Trump? That is silencing of his First Amendment rights. And my counter to that is, one, is Twitter and tech companies are private companies. You are not protected. Your First Amendment right is not protected from Twitter. While we all use it as a public forum, it is not a government entity. And also, it's important for people to understand that tech companies are still kind of nascent in their development in American business. And there's no precedent for this, really. But also, conservatives have been saying, oh, what about other dictators on Twitter? And that's fine. I think that's a legitimate debate to have about who deserves a platform to potentially millions of people across the globe and how dangerous that can be. We can have that conversation later. But Donald Trump incited a capital insurrection on these United States, on this land in 2021. And more people could have died. Let's not forget that five people died. Five people died based off of a lie, not because police are killing black and brown people, which is true, not because these random viral videos of white people attacking either verbally or physically black and brown people and saying it's MAGA country. You know, that's true. We see that. But they literally siege the United States Capitol based off of a lie. And I also want to talk about the hypocrisy when we talk about free speech, because conservatives, they said that companies deserve freedom of speech when they deny same-sex couples the right to adopt, when a bakery refuses to provide service to a same-sex couple who are getting married. But they don't seem to have that same ideology when it comes to Twitter banning a very dangerous demagogue. So let's be very clear about when we talk about First Amendment rights, because it seems like conservatives don't care about freedom of speech when it comes to queer people, when it comes to Black people protesting for human and civil rights. And they only care about when they're being silenced. And this is America, which means it has to include everyone, not just conservatives and people who support Donald Trump. And I say, keep him off Twitter. This is not the first time violence has come up because of something that Donald Trump has said or tweeted. Let's be clear. This was the most extreme version of that. But we've seen white domestic terrorism in this country over the past couple of years, citing Donald Trump and citing the language of Donald Trump. And so white supremacy is a part of the Republican Party. And so whenever I see conservatives speak up in this way, I'm like, who are you really speaking up for? Whose rights, whose free speech are you really trying to protect? Because you're never trying to protect the voices of black and brown people. I don't even think we're in 2021. I think this is December 46, 2020. In all of this, what I really want to see, I want to see people who don't know anything actual, like legalities of things to shut up. You don't know what free speech means, what it applies to you don't know and the fact that everyone just thinks that oh yeah well you can rest all the laurels of free speech honestly not everybody deserves free speech they don't shut up well you know i have to say i believe that everyone should have free speech but free speech has to come with truth and not lies but one thing i can say for black people looking at what happened last week is that there's a big stark difference between how white mobsters were treated at the capitol as which you pointed out earlier versus how black lives matter protesters who are most 
mostly black and brown and allies and what they had to endure being tear gassed, being hit with rebel bullets, being left critically injured. And it really, it shows us as, as we count down the days into inauguration day, the Capitol riots on January 6th really shows us that we really do live in two different Americas. I mean, but what does this achieve, this violence? Uh, are we violent? There's no violence. Nobody's been violent. Protest. There's people been hurt. There, nobody's Not been by violent, no. here. You're wrong. There's been no wrong. violence. You know, G, I think what is so interesting and pretty funny about last week's terrorist attack, this domestic terrorist attack, is that everyone in the country witnessed white people attack the very institution that protects, hails, and coddles them. So what do you think about white folks? I mean, they are cannibalizing themselves. (laughs) What do you think about that? I think it had to happen. When white people move on something, it usually comes out of the most egregious offense. When you think about the civil rights movement, it took like uh, seeing in newspapers and on TV, seeing dogs attack black people, bite them, uh, being hosed down. Like those images always seem to move white people. The most extreme, grotesque, violent images are what help or propel or compel white people to move on something. And we have been decrying what's wrong with America since our ancestors were brought here. And some white people get it, and a lot of white people don't. And it's a bit ironic that it took a lie, like voter fraud, and this level of violence to get, one, white Republicans to say anything remotely against Donald Trump. But just to see white people just collectively say, this is not America, but it is America. America is founded on a lie. We are not United States. We never were. It's great in theory. I would love for us to be united. I would love to have this beautiful, diverse America, this melting pot where all religions and all sexual creeds and all gender and gender expressions are treated as the same and that we all have the same level of access to a quality life. But that's not the America we live in today. And so if it takes the fringe of society to tear shit up, to get white people to do something about what's wrong with this country. I wouldn't say I condone it, but I understand why it had to come to this. But it's a lot to unpack. Whiteness is how we got here. And it's going to take white people to get us out of it because we've done our job. We're the reason why they're protesting in the first place because of what we did in Georgia and what we did in states across this country who said no, enough of this. And why we have Joe Biden and the first Black woman, Kamala Harris, to be sworn in in just a few days as vice president. Uh, We did that. So I think we should just sit back and let white people just tear shit up. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, that ain't none of my business. You know, they say blue lives matter, but they out here whooping on the police. Do your thing. You know, it's regrettable, but... To see things like, you know, the off the Capitol Police officer who died because someone threw a fire extinguisher at his head. And then to find out, because, you know, people love to pull the receipt, to find out that that officer himself was an avid Trump supporter. That was a MAGA man. Look at what you done did to somebody who is 
on your side in the grand scheme of things. Jaren, you know, I do daily walks with my parents, you know, and my mom and I just the other day were, we're doing our walk and talking about the situation. And I found myself as I'm walking down the street, crying, like sobbing to the point where my mom had to stop and hug me, which was funny because on the day of the season, my mom was crying in the car. I had to get in the back seat of the car and go hug my mama. That's what really pissed me off. Y'all made my mama cry. But, you know, just to see what we all had to see. But the reason why I was so emotional on that walk was I said, it is incredibly frustrating to be a Black person in this country. Oh, God, it's happening again. <laughs> but to be a Black person in this country, to know what we know about whiteness, to know what we know about white supremacy, to know what we know about white complicity. And we can't even do things like march for our lives, march to say it is wrong to kill our husbands and fathers and uncles and sisters and mothers and children. And these white people are out here attacking their own because some idiot is out here lying to you, lying to you, where you have to literally take yourself out of reality to even possibly fathom snippets <laughs> of what he's saying as truth. And because maybe I'm a masochist, <laughs> but going on social media and seeing after when he finally put out that stupid video, and I'm not talking about the one where he's saying, you know, I love you and I get it and all that other stuff. I'm talking about the one with him at the podium. And these people are in their parlor groups and Twitter, and they're saying, oh, well, that's a deep state fake video. He didn't really mean it. He wasn't talking about a transfer of power. There was a, I think in North Carolina, a GOP chairman who sent out a letter, a, like a five, six paragraph letter about how Donald Trump will still be president. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> what? And we... As black and brown people, they're sitting here on Twitter and retweeting stuff about, oh, if this was Black Lives Matter, if Ashley Abbott or whatever the hell her name was a black woman and she was shot and killed, they would tear up the streets. And I'm like, no, Breonna Taylor got killed and she was in her house. Ooh, I'm a jump <laughs> because I know I've never seen you emotional to this degree, Shauna, and I think it's important for us to take this time to really acknowledge that for a lot of Black people watching the Capitol siege last Wednesday, we could care less about a building. It's the fact that we know why they're that angry. And to be Black in this country and to already feel unsafe by not being protected by people who are hired to protect us, the police. We're not protected, we're barely protected by the government. And the historical nature in which we have not been protected, particularly Black women like you, Shauna, like Breonna Taylor. And so I understand that pain because I felt the same way watching because we know that this is all because of what Black voters were able to do in this election and the anger. And I don't know how we can do more because we've done it all. We've marched, we screamed till we lost our voices, we've cried. As and even when they were shooting rubber bullets at our eyes, did you see us whooping on the police? <laughs> if anything, what would happen were the gas canisters were thrown back. And hell, I only saw that in Portland with white people. 
this is insane. You know, to stay on this topic of, you know, white supremacy, because I think we should really get a little deeper as to what is truly at play here. There was a Brookings Institute report that said that America is diversifying far more quickly than they even imagined. I remember there was uh, census data that has showed the white majority would become soon the minority and that most of people in this country would be black, brown, mixed race. And it's happening before our very eyes. And my question to you is, what do you make of that? Do you believe that that is the true reason why white people are so angry. Oh, that's absolutely the reason. And I think it's also the fact that as we as a society grow, learn, become more knowledgeable and are also less willing to just believe the BS that we've been taught. If you grew up in the United States and went to, I mean, like went to public school in the United States and, and hell, maybe private school. I don't know. I didn't go to private school. I was a public school project kid. You know, <laughs> we were taught things like Columbus discovered America. We're taught things like, you know, oh yeah, slavery happened and then it was over then everything was just fine and better. We don't find out about the race riots. We don't find out about the dozens upon dozens upon dozens of examples of just white people being savage. You know, like at Spelman for your first year, you're required to take this two-part course called African Diaspora in the World or ADW. And that's where you learn about things like the hot and tot Venus, where you find out about, oh yeah, well, when Black people were enslaved, white people were doing medical experiments on us. White people were driving hammers in the, or rather nails into the heads of little black babies because they wanted to do research on their skulls. Like, <laughs> you know, finding out these truths and us gaining our power and finding our voice is terrifying to them. It is. And I get it. And I completely understand why, because in the grand scheme of things, if we were ever to truly as black and brown people in this country, I'm talking about Native Americans, I mean, indigenous people, black people, if we were ever to have a true reckoning in this country, we would be well within our right to tear this shit up, be well within our right to really seek vengeance. And they're very lucky that we aren't. They're very lucky that all we're doing is gathering in droves and having our own Stacey Abrams galvanizing us to go vote. They're very lucky. All we're doing is out here marching. Maybe, you know, I don't know, a Shell gas station goes up in flames, but who the hell cares? That Shell gas station will be rebuilt within six months. Are we trying to tear down democracy? <laughs> No. Are we trying to tear down white supremacy that is inherently embedded and ingrained in this country? Absolutely. And the reason why is because white people, they constantly vote against their own interests. They constantly, again, we know y'all better than y'all know yourselves. That's crazy to me. What's even crazier, this crap that they're over here and, and planning armed riots for and armed marches and armed protests, which I'm pretty sure are very likely to turn violent themselves yet again, is the very thing that we as Black people and, and Democrats in general, I guess, are trying to push, they're going to benefit from. Are you kidding me? You this mad? You this mad? You this mad? Because Black and brown people aren't just your maids and your bootlickers and <laughs> that we're not in chains? Bet. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Bet.
have fun, have at it. Also, I think there's this great myth, you know, I think that runs through the minds of white people. I think there's two white Americas. There's the white America of Donald Trump, these rich, powerful men who come from generations of wealth and power and want to keep that wealth and keep that power. We have to, as American patriots, we have to do what we can to take back this country. And then they use these dog whistles and they throw out these ideas that black people and immigrants are the reason why poor working class white people are, you know, jobless or not having a quality life, but we're not the reason why. And if they really opened up their eyes, they would see that black people and brown people and equality is not the enemy. People like Donald Trump, they are the enemy. And it's going to be a glorious day when the rest of white America catches up and you're sitting back like, see, we told y'all, you know? I mean, speaking of that, so... I guess then here's the question, right, is why do white people and police and yeah, and I mean, that's kind of intrinsically intrinsically tied. And yes, I know that there are Black and Latino and whatever, whatever police officers, but unfortunately, they're also contributing to a system of white supremacy. Why do they find peaceful Black protesters more menacing than that menagerie of, <laughs> I believe, I think it was Alicia Garza, who called them vanilla ISIS. Why do they find us? more menacing than all of these white terrorists who are tearing up a Capitol building. Like, why do you think they're so scared of us? You know, I think it has a lot to do with what you mentioned earlier about this fear that we will seek retribution. You know, I think it cannot be understated what Black people had to endure on this land, what Indigenous people had to endure on this land. Yes, we can talk about democracy, but maybe you mentioned, you know, do we want to tear down democracy? No, we don't. But in some ways, maybe that is the problem. Maybe we do need to dismantle this version of democracy because this version of democracy was never free to begin with. And because we had to speak up for ourselves, we had to fight for our own lives. We had to push white America forward, to push them to pass legislation to allow us to vote, to live free, to not be slaves. We did that. And, you know, shout out to allies too. We have to always acknowledge the allies. Um, <laughs> but I think they're scared that given what they and their ancestors did to us, because think like savages, they think that we're going to think like savages too. But you know, I cannot speak for my ancestors, but I would imagine that when you endure that level of subjugation, when you see how hateful this country can be or anyone can be, you don't want that for your future. You want to create a system, a society, a democracy in which everyone is treated equally because you already experienced what it feels like to be put on the outside. And we are intrinsically compassionate people because of what we had to endure to the point in which we will turn the other cheek because, you know, the church is such so centered in Black culture, right? I think white people are scared. They're scared of us doing to them what they did to us. But then also when you are conditioned to believe that this country is yours, you know, whatever you want, you can say what you want, you can do what you want, and there are no repercussions. How many white people have you heard say when we were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, how they cannot fathom what it feels like to have to tell their child, you know, give the child the talk? Because they really don't. They really don't really, they try to understand it, but they really don't. We have to do something. Like, they have to do something. But we're not here to pass slavery 2.0 and reverse roles. We're just asking that you leave us alone and let us be free and let everybody be free. And if that means you lose a little bit of power, Donald Trump and your friends in the business community and your friends across the globe, if that means you lose power and you lose your money, so be it. 
you know, but it's really time for working class, poor white people to open their eyes and see, because I think when they really open their eyes and see who is the real enemy, which is capitalism, we're always saying, you know, white supremacy, and they're not seeing that, you know, their fight is this capitalistic society in which we live in. And when we band together, someday, I really do believe we will, there will be a massive change in this country. And we're already seeing those changes because of the work that black and brown people have done on the ground in elections in particular. But they're just lucky that we're not like them. Absolutely. I mean, Tamika Mallory said that, you know, they're lucky that we're seeking equality and not revenge, right? And I mean, these people thought that they were, hell, District 12 and 13 from Hunger Games. They storm in the Capitol. Like, this is insane. It's insane to me. And I don't necessarily know if it's fear in the traditional sense of the word. I think you're absolutely right that they think that we're like them. A lot of it is projection. A lot of it is projection, <laughs> you know, of, oh, that they're going to do something terrible to us and all of these other things. I blame a lot of this on the media. And I know that that's a terrible thing to say because we technically are part of the media, but I blame a lot of it on the media. I blame a lot of it on Hollywood. This idea of violent Black people and trying to just tear shit up and overthrow things is largely comes from these portrayals of us that white people who are in silos in terms of like, maybe they got one Black person in the whole town. They don't know about the Black experience, right? So what is their depiction of Blackness? So there are certain negative things that they're going to see. And I think if they're, if you're in some middle, middle America, rural town, there's all of three Black people in it and they just could sort by themselves. <laughs> you know, they're not even bothering anybody else. They're just by themselves. But if you turn on Fox News and Fox News is on your TV, 24-7, and you're hearing this wrong, straight up wrong, lying ass analysis about how, oh, look at the Black people. They're just so angry. Why are they so angry? They have everything. LeBron James has money. Beyonce is rich. Rihanna is rich. Look at Oprah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's look at all those people. And let's also look at the fact that given a wrong circumstance, they could be gunned down by police too. And why is that? It's not because they did anything wrong. It's simply because police have been used as weapons of white supremacy for so long. And that is the narrative that they've given their white cousins for so long. And I think we also need to remember and understand the roots of policing in this country. Policing started as a capturing and recapturing enslaved people who found freedom. That, that was their only mechanism. And so finding out things like, oh yeah, you know that there were some capital off-duty officers and military and Capitol Police officers who were storming the Capitol as well. What? <laughs> who were storming the Capitol as well. People who took oaths to defend this country against enemies, foreign and domestic, which means, in case you don't know words, right up in here. And those proud boys, them Trump publicans, whatever the hell you want to call them, they are enemies of this country, period. Plain and simple. So why are you so busy being scared of my black ass? You need to be worried about them. That's all I got. Why are they kicking off? Why? Freedom of speech? Just for saying that? That's ridiculous. Get off the plane. Get off the plane. I have the right. You have the right Get off, get off the 
going back to the Capitol riots, you know, I know you've seen like some of these like viral videos of white people having temper tantrums in the airports because some airlines have created these internal no-fly lists after the Capitol insurrection. And many of them were starting to be identified and they're angry about it. What do you make of this outrage? Think of it. Take your snowflake ass home. <laughs> what? Like, what? I'm sorry. No, you don't get to fly home. You better get it popping with that enterprise that hurts. <laughs> Rest your car and up. Oh, get ready to pay that fee because if you're taking it from old DC to back where Nebraska, wherever the hell you're from, yeah, you got to pay for that too. And on top of that, you have to pay for gas. Good luck. Have fun. Quite frankly, those videos have been heartwarming. They just give me such joy. I just feel a little, feel a little warmth inside. Like, oh, what a warm fire. Just to light myself, just to warm myself by the fire of white rage. It's great. I love to see it. What about you, Darren? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to participate in domestic terrorism, you are a threat. To your point, like you are a threat to the Democratic Republic. You are a threat to this society. So the same way in which we have no-fly lists for terrorists who can't come from, I don't know, Iran to America, it should be no different because Keep in mind, we call it domestic terrorism. So there's domestic terrorism and there's global terrorism, but the common word is terrorism. And so if you are a terrorist, even if you are a US citizen, then you should be restricted from having certain privileges like flying because God knows where you're going to go and God knows what you're going to do. And so I support Democrats who are saying, let's have a federal no-fly list because it's getting to that point. You know, again, we cannot understate what transpired last week. When we look back on these events, in the history books. We're going to be talking about this for a very, very long time. There's going to be so much that comes out of these FBI investigations and investigations from local police in D.C., probably more than we could even fathom. Because to your point about police and how deeply entrenched they are in these white supremacist movements, we're going to see a lot. We're already seeing some police officers being losing their jobs or being investigated for taking selfies and letting them in the Capitol. So we don't know if it was the inside job or not. You know, we don't know who to trust at this point. So the best thing we can do is to keep them at bay and not allow them to fly anywhere else. Listen, I think there was the report earlier this week of a secret service member. A secret service member, when they combed her social media, had a post in support of Trump, in support of MAGA, in support of the siege. I'm sorry, and this is who we're trusting to keep Kamala and Joe alive? Nah, there needs to be a complete overhaul. I mean, gut the whole thing and start over because this, mm -mm, I don't trust it. Something in the water ain't clean <laughs> and it's going to come out in the wash. <laughs> Me either. I do not trust them. So something that I found really fascinating in the midst of pulling all these receipts on these white nationalists and terrorists, as I like to call them, was how many of them have Black spouses and Black children, which is crazy to me, right? And especially since we were just talking about, oh, they're in fear of Black people, Black and brown people taking over and turning them into the minority. But then here you are trying to get a little chocolate in your milk. <laughs> no, trying to put your cream in my coffee. This is a little, this is crazy to me. So what do you think about that, Jared? And should we be snatching the black cards of these spouses? You know, I never understood 
the dichotomy between racism and fetishism. It's like, this is not new. Like white slave owners raped black women. So it also shows you just how absurd racism truly is because they don't even really mean what they say. We don't really think we're animals because you find us attractive. You just want to subjugate us. You want to keep us as a second class people for your own financial gain to keep that power. And when I saw like there was this one guy who was heavily photographed inside the Capitol, his black wife, or I don't know if they're still together. They're on divorce court or one of those yeah, legal the shows. Of the Proud Boys Hawaii chapter. <laughs> yeah. Like I just can't wrap my head around that. I would like to believe I'm a pretty, you know, decently intelligent person. I have no scholarly understanding or explanation for that, but it does reek of hypocrisy. And then for people like for these black people who find themselves in marriages and relationships with known white supremacists, I mean, we all know it's like, yes, they're self-hating, but I don't want nobody coming for me, but I pity them almost because they're that lost. And when you really peel back the layers, is it really their fault? White supremacy has done a number on us as a people. And for some of us, it might show up as insecurities about our skin color. I can relate, you know, being a dark-skinned Black man. And then maybe for others, it shows up in, I don't want to associate with Black people. I want to date this white man, marry this white man, because it's going to make me feel special. It's going to make me feel loved. I'm not one of those Negroes. Right. And that's what white supremacy has historically done. It has divided us. It made us look at each other the way in which white people saw us or treated us. And it still shows up to this very day. It's sad to see, though. I I have to say, it's just sad to see. I think, and I'm going to be real PG about my words, but it's a very important distinction to remember that you can love Black D and Black P and still hate Black people. Plain and simple. And I say this as a person who I've dated you know white guys in the past nothing serious but (laughs) there's one in particular who has ruined it for every other white man in the world because and I'm talking about this was one of those like woke white guys who I'm like all right he's cool he's not gonna embarrass me at the cookout all right we're good and in the throes of passion one day proceeded to ask me if he could possibly call me the n-word while we were yeah mid-coitus in the situation to which it's like right scratch I'm sorry what is this whoa <laughs> fetish central and so I'm not I'm well, not gonna pause there Shauna <laughs> you're not gonna tell me a story like that and not tell me how you responded because <laughs> the authorities were called that's what I can say <laughs> well, there we have it yeah the authorities were called not a shining moment for me and I'm sure he's never tried it again but you know I think it's one of those things, but for me, it was a light bulb moment of understanding like it is quite possible. It is quite possible to love someone that looks like me. And it's quite, you know, you might love them down, but you hate everything that they represent. You hate everything that they come from. And I don't know, to me, that's mental illness. Like, (laughs) just how do you reconcile that? That doesn't make sense to me. But what I do think it is too, it's also used as a means to say, well, see, I can't possibly be racist. I have a Black spouse. I have Black children. I have Black family members. Yeah, that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing at all. Because you can still be trash. You can still be a purveyor of white supremacy. You can still be a whole off. And as for my question about whether or not if we should be snatching black cars, honestly, I don't even think it's necessary. The only reason why is because you notice these people who are lost, as you say, 
You can always tell, like edges be just depleted. Lineup is trash. You look dusty. Your hair's uneven. Your ends are frayed. Girl, what is this? Candace Owens, what is this? What is going on? You know, Daniel Cameron, what is this bowl cut you got? What is this on your head? You look crazy. And I mean, quite frankly, that's fine. It is what it is. If you choose not to fully embrace and be a part of this family of Blackness, you don't deserve to be a part of it period go ahead and eat your potato salad with raisins in it that's fine i'm good yeah i think for black people who do love themselves i think that we can all agree that all of this is really just showing that america is getting a piece of its own medicine Mm -hmm. and for us who again who've done our job in pushing democracy forward we can just sit back and just say this is none of our business not a bit We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Ubuntu Audio. This Black-owned audiobook app and publishing company brings stories of Black and Brown people to the foreground. Providing audio narrations to our histories, voices, and cultural narratives, Ubuntu Audio strives to give our stories their moment in the sun. You can visit their website at ubuntuaudio.com. That's A-B-A-N-T-U audio. The Griot has published a list of 50 plus Black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you'd like your business to be featured, email us at info at That's G-R-I-O dot com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast, and share it with everyone you know. And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Blue Toulousma and co-produced by Lana Adams, Sunda Sassan, and Kevin Y. Brown. Mm-hmm.